Welcome to our messages online. Today, Pastor Scott talks about the catch in the book of Luke, chapter 5. Well, good morning, church family. It's good to see you today. Glad that we're here and we get to open up God's Word together today. And in our year of development, we're considering how Jesus displayed grace, how He displayed favor. This was something that none of us deserved. This is something that none of us could earn. But God said, because I'm compassionate and gracious, I'm just going to bless you over and over and over with blessings. Some of those we would call physical blessings. Some of those we'd call relational, all being spiritual blessings that God pours out on us. And so we are looking at some of these in what we'll call grace encounters. When Jesus met with certain people and and poured out grace and favor to people who did not deserve it, people who could not earn this, and he just did it because he's God and he's, this is who he is, compassionate and gracious. So I'm confident that God will have grace encounters for every single one of us today. So if you'd grab your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 will be on page 860 in the Bible in front of you. And what I want us to do today is I want us to catch Jesus. I want us to catch the grace that is being handed out to us or poured out to us today. And so I've entitled this message, The Catch, The Catch. And so we will talk about this catch that, well, we're supposed to catch something from God while he's really trying to catch us. When I thought of those words, the catch, in reading this story, I thought, okay, here's the catch. But as I thought this, my my mind, of course, goes to sports so many times. And so I, I thought of some great catches This year, the NFL, National Football League, is coming up with uh, their 100 greatest players, 100 greatest moments, things like that in their 100 years of football. They came up with the number two greatest play all time is called The Catch. And it took place in San Francisco in 1981, and they're getting ready to go to the Super Bowl. It's either going to be the 49ers or the Cowboys, and thank you, God, that it was the 49ers. And uh, anyway, Joe Montana throws this catch to, does anybody remember who caught that? Dwight Clark. All right, some of you football fans would remember this. And it goes down as the catch, and so that was a great moment. Uh, For some of you, let's go back a little farther, and and then let's go to baseball real quickly. My personal favorite. Back in the 1954 World Series, there was a great catch uh, by a guy named, uh, who's that guy? Pete Rose. Rose. Come on, man. You're young. You don't get that. Those of us who know baseball would say who? Willie Mays. Thank you. And so he makes this great catch, turns his back to the field, makes a catch at the polo grounds, and uh, changes the World Series there in 1954. Anyway, that, that was known for years as the catch. But let's get rid of sports uh, before you throw tomatoes at me or something like this. I was thinking of a time I went fishing uh, with my good friend Scott Brayton. He would take me out, and, and, and these were quite miserable fishing trips, actually, uh, because we'd be out there all day, and here's a couple pictures of, I mean, one day we went out and caught some halibut that was made 30 miles out on the Pacific Ocean. That was pretty amazing. I had to be quite drugged up to survive that. And then one day we were out on the river up by Portland, and, uh, and I think we were out there 14 hours. That was the only fish we caught, so when we brought it in, of course, I was going to kiss him. 
And uh, I mean, it was just that good. That, but uh, those were great catches. And then, um, because I have a 16-year-old daughter, she's trying to teach me how to be cool. And so she's teaching me how to catch something. And it, I have to look at my notes. It's called the whoa, all right? It's called the whoa. So I'm going to teach this to you today. Every once in a while, my daughter, she'll see me and she'll throw something at me. Uh, I guess it's just invisible. She throws it. And then I'm supposed to catch it with like a, a little shimmy and a little jiggle and just, you know, act like that. So I'm going to throw the woe to you and let's see if you're cool enough to catch it. So you, you grab it and then you just kind of, sh- you know, shimmy and jiggle. And All right. So here's the woe. Ready? Catch it over there. Yeah, that's pretty good. Over here, let's see. I'm throwing the boat. Yeah, yeah. No, you just don't do this. You got you to gotta give it one of these. So Anyway, that's the catch in our house. And so every once in a while, she'll say, hey, Dad, and throw something behind her back. And I'm supposed to, you know, do one of this. And yeah. Okay, don't do it anymore to me. I was actually at an event where she was across the gym from me, or one of her friends was. It was Lauren right here. And Lauren's trying to throw the woe to her sister, which was sitting behind me, but I didn't know that. And, I, <laughs> and so Lauren throws the woe to her sister, and I see this, and I'm like, yeah, and that's what they did, too. They just laughed, and they're like, it wasn't for you. But I kind of stole it from the sister anyway. So that's the new catch. That's the new catch if you want to be cool. Some of you are on the verge of getting cool, so I'm, I'm glad to see that. But what I want us to catch today is Jesus, and that's pretty cool too, amen? And so I want us to catch Jesus, and, and I want uh, you to know that Jesus wants to catch you today as well. And so let's look at Luke chapter 5, page 860. And we will see the grace encounter of Jesus with a few people, but specifically he has one in mind. And I want us to learn from this, and I want us to catch Jesus. And at the end of the day, I'd hope you say, I caught Jesus in a greater way. And I know that Jesus is trying to catch me in greater ways. So let's look at this, Luke chapter 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear the word of God, and I have to stop when I read at times and figure out what's going on. Jesus has been performing miracles for a brief amount of time. He's been showing signs that he is the one who came from God. He has spoken in synagogues and said, it is my job, I'm anointed from God to preach good news to the poor, to the captive, to the blind, to the oppressed. And he starts showing that, and people hear this. And they say, we want to know more about this Jesus. They start following him to some degree. It's really like stalking him, hopefully that they get a handout from him. But people are saying there's something to this guy. He teaches with authority. He has power to bring healing. And, and so there is a crowd that we see that is pressing in on him to hear the word of God. And he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, also known by some as the Sea of Galilee. Some of you have actually been out on the Sea of Galilee. So you have an idea of where we're at. And Jesus is on the shore of this sea. Verse 2. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. 
two empty boats. Getting into one of them, and I'm thinking, this doesn't sound like grace encounters where he's going to give a gift, but this sounds like thief encounters where maybe he's about ready to take off with one of the boats. But it says getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and I have to stop there, too, and say, okay, let's talk about who this guy is, because this guy is known as Simon. He's also known as Peter, so sometimes I'll call him Simon or Peter or Simon Peter. It's the same guy, but Jesus knows this guy a little bit, and Jesus had met with this Simon and said, Simon, uh, I'm going to change your identity. I'm going to change your name, too. I'm going to not call you Simon. I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. And so he was the original Dwayne Johnson. He was the original rock. And so this is him. So Jesus knows this Simon. If you go back to chapter 4, verse 38, just a little bit. You see that Jesus is passing through and he's invited into the home of Simon's mother-in-law. She's been sick. And so Jesus knows Simon, or Simon knows Jesus enough to say, hey, would you come over here? She's sick and would you heal her? And, and Simon sees his mother-in-law healed. But it even goes back farther than that. If we look in another account of Jesus, we see in John chapter 1, that there was a day as Jesus is starting his ministry and he's walking around and another guy says, that Jesus right there, behold everyone, this is the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world. This is the one who came from heaven, who was born in Bethlehem, and he is the anointed one from God. He's the Messiah. Well, Peter's brother is a guy named Andrew, and Andrew hears this. He's like, wait a second, what? Our nation's been waiting 2,000 years for this promised one. You're telling me he's in our neighborhood? And they're saying yes. And so Andrew's like, oh, he's finally here. i got to see him. And Andrew starts talking to him. And eventually Andrew says, I've got to go tell my brother Simon about this. And so he does. And he says, Simon, I want you to know I've met today the one that we've always been waiting for, the Messiah, the Son of God, the, the Lamb of God. He's here. And so Peter's had a couple encounters with Jesus already. He's heard about him. He's seen him at his mother-in-law's house. And, and then we see him here today on the edge of the lake. And so these are grace encounters that Simon had. There was the grace encounter when he met the Savior of the world. And I don't know how he responded. We don't hear this in John chapter 1, but he may have said, that's cool. He may have freaked out like his brother did because he didn't go and tell anybody else. He might have just said, I don't know. We've heard that other saviors are coming. I don't know. I don't. And so uh, we don't know how Peter responded, but he, he, he may have just said something like, okay, that's good. I'll, I'll put that in my pocket for now and we'll see how things play out. But here's what I want you to know, that Jesus was working on the catch. Repeat after me, Jesus is working on the catch. And he was. He's working with Peter. He's showing grace by saying, okay, I got, I got my eyes on a few people, but I got my eyes on this guy named Simon Peter. So then in chapter 4, when there's the mother-in-law and the healing, well, when Peter sees this, I don't know what he thinks. If he goes, yes, this is God. This is amazing. Or if he says, well, you know, we'd given her some medicine, and so the fever was going to break anyway. I don't know what he thinks. But regardless of what Peter thought with that next grace encounter, repeat after me, Jesus is working on the catch. And so when we come to Luke chapter 5, 
Peter's been out fishing, and Jesus gets into his boat and starts talking to this Peter. Peter starts, or Simon, he starts, hmm, this guy's including me? He's asking to borrow my boat? This is a special rabbi. We've heard great things about him, heard some healing. I'm not sure how he's responding, but here's what we know. Repeat after me, Jesus is working on the catch. And we know that going into this story. And I'm confident that you and I have had and even today are having grace encounters by God. That he's speaking to you, he's meeting with you because he wants to do great things in you. Ultimately, he wants to do great things for you or through you. And I want you to know this, repeat after me, God, Jesus is working on the catch. He is, even you and me. He's working on the catch. Today he's working on this catch. Go to verse 3. And so Jesus sat down and taught the people from the boat. He gets into Simon's boat with Simon, gets out a little ways because they were pressing in, and he starts teaching the people. And then Luke just puts this account, and when he had finished speaking. I kind of would like to know what he said that day, but sometimes maybe the message isn't as important. Luke says, I want to tell you more about what Jesus was catching. It wasn't necessarily to the large crowds. He was specifically trying to catch an individual. Made me think of this sometimes. You show up to church, you hear a message, and maybe it wasn't this message from the front stage that was the most important thing that you heard that day. It may have been an encounter you had up at the coffee bar. It may be an encounter you have in the foyer. It may be an encounter you have with somebody else. I mean, the word of God is important, don't get me wrong, but maybe the greatest grace encounter that God has for you is yet to come today. May have been in the music. It may have been that song spoke to my heart. I need to download it onto my phone. I need to continue to hear it. Whatever the message is, wherever the atmosphere is, Jesus is working on his catch. He's working on his catch through his spirit, and he's doing this through music, and he's doing this with personal interactions. I think he's doing this as we slow down, where we just sit and be silent for a while. Maybe we haven't sat down and been too silent this week, and he says, I'm working on my catch of you. Now, Jesus said to Simon, let's go back to our story, verse 4. Jesus said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. We're going to go catch some fish. Now, the fact that Jesus would include Simon in this is a grace encounter. He goes, hey, we're going to go do something fun together. Just let's go together. Take it out. Let's Put out into the deep and let down your nets. Verse 5, Simon answered, "Uh, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. We've been doing this. What you're asking me to do, we've been doing it. It's not working. Notice what he says, though. But at your word, I will let down the nets. Here's the first question I want to ask you today, and it's this. Will I catch on to trust Jesus and obey? Will I catch on to what Jesus is doing to trust him and obey? Simon says, uh, I'm an experienced fisherman. You're a teacher of the law. 
You stay in your line, Rabbi, and just teach the people. I'll stay in my lane, and I'll fish. And I'm telling you, we did it last night, and it didn't work. Well, that's probably what Peter wanted to say in the master we toiled all night and took nothing. But notice what he goes on to say. One of the great words in the Bible, right? But there's a change in his heart, he says, at your word. There's a trust and obedience to say, okay, Jesus, I'll do what you say. I don't, I don't know if this will work. We've tried it before. Been here before. I don't know if it'll work, but okay, I'll trust and obey. Jesus would later say things like this. Apart from me, when he was talking to his disciples, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. I think this is a beginning of this. And he's saying, when you do things out on your own, sometimes you just have a lot of futile experiences. But with me, oh, we can change the world. We can do some things. Let's go out. And so Peter has already seen Jesus perform miracles. And he's starting to have some trust and obedience to Jesus. And he says, I'll do what you say. I was thinking about us. Have you ever seen God do something amazing? Where you'd say, okay, so... Yeah, I have seen him do something amazing. And when he asks me to follow him, I could trust him. He's done something that garners my trust. Can you think of something you've seen him do that was quite amazing, miraculous? Think about this for a moment. And let me then say, if you can't think of anything, has he changed your soul? Has he changed your heart? Because I'll tell you, this was a heart of stone. This was a heart that was spiritually dead. This was a heart that had no cares for God himself. And the fact that you would have a care for God, that's a miracle. Sometimes us self-righteous, arrogant Christians forget that. But that is a miracle that God would change our heart. Can I get an amen to that? So you have seen him do something miraculous. And then you can look, go to the coast and say, wait, you know, that's pretty amazing that the ocean keeps coming in and out, and for some reason it doesn't go way in and flood us, and for some reason it doesn't go way out, and there's life teeming in this, and then he holds us all together. That's miraculous. That's miraculous. And then you start thinking, wait a second, he was holding my body together as I was sleeping last night. That was miraculous. My brain kept working. My heart kept pumping. The lungs kept working. I'm awake today. That's miraculous. The fact that God does not treat me as my sins deserve and I'm here breathing today, that's miraculous. Okay, wait, I have seen some amazing things from God. And so, yeah, I, if I can trust him with those things, I, I should be able to trust him. So question one, will I catch on to trust Jesus and obey? That might be enough of a question to wreck you for the rest of the week, but let's keep going. Verse six. And when they had put their nets out, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. That's actually a good thing. They're getting so many fish. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats with fish so that it began to sink. I'm not sure how many fish it would take to make these boats sink, but that's a good haul for the day. That's a good day fishing. That's a good day coming back and saying, wow, we went earlier, nothing. All of a sudden with Jesus, that's a massive day. Some of you have gone fishing, right? 
I've gone fishing too, but it's more fun to actually catch. Some of you just fish all day, like nothing, nothing, nothing. Or Simon Peter says, man, we went fishing, nothing, nothing, nothing. This is a big day because not only are we fishing, but we're catching. But Jesus is working on the catch, and it really has nothing to do with fish. He just used some fish to catch what he really wanted, and that was Simon. And this would be grace to say, I want to catch this ordinary fisherman. I want to capture his heart. I want to do great things in him. Ultimately, I want to do great things through him. Go to verse 8. But when Simon saw this, that the boats were full of fish, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, Lord. I think he's starting to catch on. Jesus isn't just a teacher. Probably is what he heard. The the Lamb of God that would take away the sins of the world. Not just somebody who could heal his mother-in-law. Not just somebody who could bring about fish. But this is God. And he realizes, get away from me. I'm sinful. I have no business being in your presence Here's a question for you. Will I catch on to humble myself before God? It's a question we need to ask ourselves continually. Will I catch on to what God is doing to humble myself before God? Not to say that, oh, I'm a terrible person, things like that. But wait a second. I am a sinful person. So that I could sing a song like, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch. I was a wretch before God. Simon's starting to catch on. Will you and I catch on to humble ourselves before God? Yeah, the hall of fish was miraculous, which was a sign that you better catch this Jesus. Jesus gives us different signs at different times. He'll show you things in his word. You'll have encounters with people. These are all grace encounters. And he's saying, I hope that you would catch me. I would hope that you would humble yourself now before you have to humble yourself for all eternity. Because every single knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And it's better that we do that today than later. We don't know how much time we have. Do this today. Verse 9. For Simon and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee. They become two of Jesus' great 12 uh, followers. They were partners with Simon. Now, when Simon Peter came to the realization of who Jesus is, I want you to notice how Jesus responded. When he says, Jesus, get away from me, I'm, I'm sinful. When Peter, Simon Peter, when he humbles himself before Jesus, how does Jesus respond? Because you might be asking that question, if I acknowledge my sin before Jesus, how would he treat me? Does Jesus say something like, it's about time. I mean, you knew this when your brother came and told you about me. You knew this when you saw what I did to your mother-in-law. It took fish. Is this how Jesus responds to him? Does Jesus say, doggone it. Why does it take you? Why are you so thick-headed? Come on, McFly. No, Jesus does not say this. 
Notice what he says in verse 10. Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. That's grace, isn't it? He's like, I, I know you're hard-headed and it took you a while to get here, but don't be afraid. No, Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, notice this, from now on you will be catching men. In fact, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you and bring you in and I'm going to include you in my work. What? <laughs> ordinary me? Yes, ordinary you. Sinful me? Yes, sinful you. I'm going to include you into my work. That's grace. This is what Jesus does to us when we humble ourselves and say, oh, oh Lord, you, you should have nothing to do with me. I, I, but I'm turning to you and do what you'd wish. And he says, okay, don't be afraid. I love you. I'm for you. I'm not against you. Now he says to us, your sins have been paid. I've paid for them on the cross. In fact, I not only include you into my family, you are an ambassador for me. You, I want you, ordinary you. I want messed up you. I want broken you to be my ambassador. That's grace. Verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land... They left everything and followed him. They said, oh, we've we got to follow this guy. Here's a question I'd have for you. Will I catch on to courageously follow Jesus? Will I catch on to what Jesus is doing and courageously follow him? Courageously follow him. Now, for Simon, that meant leaving his job it, leaving his paycheck, leaving the way to support himself and his family. And it's different for different people. Sometimes it's speaking up. But the question is, will I catch on to courageously follow Jesus? God has a plan for us in his work. And the question is, will you courageously follow him? Let's consider the process for a little bit, the process of how Jesus was bringing along Simon, but how he brings along us as well. This is important for us to see this process. So if we go back to John chapter 1, this first grace encounter when Simon hears about Jesus, that, well, he's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, maybe he's saying, oh, that's pretty cool. But for the first time, the message really from Jesus was, come and see, write this down. Jesus gives us this message at first. Come and see who I am. Come and check me out. There was a time where we had to first come and see. Maybe our parents brought us to church. Maybe they taught us about Jesus. And they were like, come and see who this Jesus is. I'm looking out here and I see a little guy in the arms of a dad. and Maybe that's grandpa. But the idea is, hey, I want you to come and see. Come and see. We all have this. Maybe somebody brought you to church. Maybe somebody brought you to an event and it was just come and see what I care about. I want you to come and see what I'm passionate about. And there's the offer we have to people. Just come and, come and see what I do. Come and check out the building where I hang out on Sunday mornings. or Just come and see my life. Come and, and Jesus does this. He's like, guys, just come and see this. And it starts there. 
starts there. And sometimes it takes a while for the catch to happen. Those of you who have been fishing, you understand it takes a while. Those of you who have worked with people, you say, I've asked them to come and see Jesus. And it takes a while. It takes patience. It takes praying to God. God, would you do something amazing? I'm hoping that their eyes of faith will be opened. And sometimes it takes not long at all. Some of us saw Jesus and we said, I need exactly that. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe you're coming here and saying, I've been checking him out for a while. I'll tell you what, I feel bad for you if you've waited. I feel bad for you if you've had an arrogant heart or a blinded heart to say, "Mm, I'll just wait, I'll just wait. It would be better for you to figure this out soon, to figure this out today, that it's when you see this Jesus, he's here to change your life now and for all eternity. But the problem is sometimes we're just not desperate enough. Sometimes we have to fall hard on our behind and then say, okay, I've tried all my ways. Now, what I have seen, I'll start to believe. For some of us, we get arrogant. Again, we self-reliant. I've seen a lot of Jesus, but I'll just wait and wait and wait because I think I can do this myself. Peter had, Simon Peter had been asked to come and see and it, it took him a while. But before long, his eyes of faith opened up. I, wanna, I want you to think, what are your grace moments? Where, where was God showing you grace? And you said, oh yeah, it's more than come and see. I'll believe this. For some of you, you might still be in the come and check this out. I would just ask you to consider, how has God been gracious to you? Because you will before long say, I got to do more than just look at this. I have to believe this, which would lead to the next part of this process, and it's this. The message of Jesus turned to come and follow, come and follow. There's a day where seeing is enough. You've seen enough. Now you need to follow. Now you need to trust me. Now you need to believe. I know that there are many in this room who'd say, I have believed. I have followed Jesus. I'd say, great, but sometimes it took us a while to catch on to this. It took us a while. Jesus is calling every single one of us today. He's saying, trust me to lead you. He's saying to every single one of us today, trust me to guide you. Follow me. Just as he said this to Simon, Jesus is saying, let me work together with you. Would you join me and follow me? Jesus is saying to every single one of us, let me develop you. Are you just going to look at this and go, man, that was a nice church service. It's good. Or will you say, wait a second, he wants to develop me. I'll follow him. I'll follow him. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be the choice for the first time today to say, okay, I'm going to write on the connection card, I made a decision to follow Jesus for the very first time. I'm going to do this. There was a time that Simon had to say, okay, I'm going to go from come and see to follow, and he followed. The call is on all of us. When will you follow? For some of us, and for many of us, it might be to return to follow. Because we said, you know what, Jesus, I'll follow you. I know that I'm going to heaven, but let's be honest. We start going our own way, amen? 
And every once in a while we say, yeah, I'm following you. Not really. I'm going my own way. And maybe today is a good reminder to, wait a second, I made a commitment to follow Jesus. He has changed my life. He is my Savior. He is my Lord. He is my Master. I, I haven't been following. I'll follow him today. Jesus might say, you've listened to me, and you bought the bracelet, and you got the necklace with the cross. You even got a tattoo, remember, because you were following me, all right? You've done all that stuff. Maybe you've been baptized. Okay, that's good. I'm not asking you to get rebaptized. I'm just saying, are you following me or not? Simon was humbled and seemed to catch on to this point. Will you humble yourself today and catch on to this point and say, okay, I've got to follow Jesus. But Jesus keeps working on the catch. It's not stopping there with following. We see more of Peter, Simon Peter's life and the others. I want to take you real quickly to chapter 9, just a few chapters down the road. Let's look at this. Jesus says this to his followers. He says, if anyone would come after me or follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. This isn't just a one time I say a prayer and then I get to live for myself. He says it's daily. It's a daily acknowledgement. For whoever would save his life will lose it. Whoever wants to save this thing called, well, this is my kingdom, you're going to find out that you'll actually lose it if you have that mentality. But whoever loses his life for my sake will actually save it. Jesus said, for what does it profit a man, a person, any of us, if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or his soul? Jesus says, okay, let me tell you, when I'm talking about catching you, yeah, it's first come and see. And then it's, yeah, follow. But let me tell you what it means to follow. Let's go a step further with this one. It's come and deny yourself. Would you write this down? Come and deny yourself. Jesus says, so when you come and follow me, I'm telling you what it means. It's not just to make a one-time decision or to get a tattoo or whatever it is, special piercing. But it's going to be to continually deny yourself. Say, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. To say, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. It is a daily commitment. In fact, it's more than just daily. It's just a continual, I'm going to say no to me and yes to Jesus. It's going to be difficult because I'm selfish and I struggle with this. We all are selfish and struggle with this. But he says, deny yourself and follow me. Jesus says, follow me and and I'll lead you on a mission to get caught up in the person of Jesus, but to be caught up in the mission of Jesus. To de be developed in this way says, okay, I I'm saying no to me. I'm saying no to my agenda, and I'm saying yes to Jesus. There are a lot of times I say, man, I don't want to talk to certain people. And Jesus reminds me through the Holy Spirit, and he says, no, you're going to love everybody that I providentially put into your life. I'm like, no, I don't want to. He goes, it's not about you. You've died to yourself. You're following me, and by following me, you're denying yourself. You're doing what I want. Now, granted, it's the best life possible. He reminds me of that. It's just going to be very difficult at times. 
I was thinking about this. Have I seen this in others where they said no to themselves and said yes to God? And I was thinking about a story of our church. 25 years ago, roughly, I wasn't here at this time. But the story goes that this church was, like a lot of churches, getting older, not getting any younger. And this church had to make some changes. This church is thinking, our leadership is saying, how do we make some changes? Because as we look out, there's not really many young families in this church. And at the rate we're going, we'll go like the rest of many American churches. We're going to close our doors here. And we can't go that way. And so the, the church leadership said, okay, we will be and have the faith of our fathers. We'll continue to preach the word of God. But we've got to be a church for our children. Amen. And they said, okay, we're going to do some changes here. And there were some heroes in this church. And for some of you who've been around for 25 years plus, you're some of those heroes that said, wait a second, we're going to change the music style. I know you've loved your music, but it's not about you. We've got to reach your kids and your grandkids. And all of a sudden it was, we're going to bring drums on the stage and we're going to bring electric guitars on the stage and we're going to allow the pastor not to wear a sport coat and tie, but we're going to let him untuck his shirt sometimes. We're going to move the hymnals away, but we'll continue to sing some of those great truths. But we're going to do things differently. Now, there were some self-centered people in this group, and most of them are gone. Thank you, God. But they said, no, we want what we want. This is our little culture club. We love this. And they had to make the decision to say, uh, we don't like the direction of this place. But there were some of you who I consider heroes who said, you know what? This is against my tradition. This is against my way. This kind of grates against me. I mean, the kids are running around in the sanctuary. Ah! And you said, wait a second. To follow Jesus means I'm going to say no to what I want and my comfort and say yes to the bigger agenda of Jesus and things may have to change. And because of that, we are a growing church and we have many kids and many youth and we have two services and there are a lot of good things because there were some people who said, I will say no to myself. I'll deny what I want for me, and look ahead and say, wait a second, what if Jesus wants this church to grow and it, it might not be my style? Doesn't matter what my style is. It's about what Jesus wants. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And so I want to say thank you to those of you who have been here 25 plus years. Thank you. And so to have a growing understanding that my hope is not built on my agenda, but my hope is built on Jesus. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. And that doesn't change. It's not about my agenda. It's about Jesus. I'm following him, and I'll say, my way, I'm not getting my way. It doesn't matter what my way is. Jesus is calling every single one of us even again today. For some of you, he's saying, come and see. Come and check this out. Come and understand that I have a great love for you, that I died for you, that today would you trust me and believe in me. 
He's saying to some of us, come and follow. For that, sometimes he's saying this for the first time for some of you. For some of you, he's saying, just return. You haven't really been following me. Would you return? And for some of you who've been following him well, he's saying, let me remind you that it is come and deny yourself and follow me. It's not about your agenda. It's not about your way. It's about my way. You're going to be dead and gone before long. My kingdom is going to continue to advance. And so be about my agenda, not yours. So what's God saying to you today? I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, did Simon Peter ever miss this? He went from come and see to come and follow to come and deny yourself. Did he ever fail after that? Oh, yeah, he did. His life was started low and it was going high, but it had dips and it had peaks, but it was continually moving up because that's what God does for us. But he failed at times, and you and I will fail at times, and we'll have to come back and humble ourselves and say, Jesus, away from me, I'm sinful. And he'll say, don't be afraid. Come here. I love you. I forgive you. It's been forgiven. Let's get back at this. I've caught you. Are you catching me? And so the question I'd like us to consider as we get ready to finish up today is where am I at in this process? So where am I at in this process of being caught? Are you at the come and see? Good. Keep looking. Keep investigating. But don't let it end there. Let it lead to come and follow. Are you there in that process? Okay, good. Then let's keep making steps of following him more and more, trusting him more and more, being obedient to him more and more, stepping out in faith more and more to the point where you're saying, I'll deny myself more and more because your way is the best way because it doesn't even end there. Eventually, he'll say, not only deny yourself, but come and go with me and Let's change the world. Let's change the world together. Here's what I'd like you to do. I'd just like you to reflect, and maybe that's closing your eyes. Maybe that's writing down a few notes. Just take a deep breath, if you would. Where am I in this process? And let God speak to you. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to humble yourself. He wants you to turn to him. Have the courage to deny yourself. Pray with me. Uh, Father, I ask that you would continue speaking to us. That we would see where we're at in this process. And I thank you personally, and I thank you for my brothers and sisters, that uh, there was a time where you were gracious enough to reveal yourself that we could see some of your goodness and some of us, it took a little longer than others. But we realized that we had to follow you. It's the best way to be, that you are God. We are not. 
and that you continue to grow us and shape us. And I thank you that you are helping us to say no to us and yes to you. I thank you for the heritage we have here at Willamette Community Church. Looking out and I, I see, I know some of these people, they went through these battles 40, 30 years ago, 25 years ago. And you were developing them to say no to themselves and yes to you. And you're still fighting that battle inside every one of us. Helping us to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow you. And so I ask that you continue to speak. You continue to show us. You continue to help us get into your word and, and learn from Simon. Because we're like him. We're ordinary. We miss some things. But we're catching that you are the one true God. That you hold eternal life in your hands and you have offered it to us. And for those who need to accept it for the very first time today, God, I ask that they would catch what you are offering by simply saying, I believe and I will follow. But I ask that you help me and every single one of us to say, I'm catching what you're throwing at me today. And I believe and I will follow and I will give you my life. It's the best way to live. So thank you for this time today. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for giving us another grace encounter. We love you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Each one of us is part of God's redemptive story. Take some time this week to share your God story with someone. I guarantee they will be blessed and you will be blessed as well. Join us again next week as we continue studying God's Word.